guess. How's everybody doing? Good? All right, cool. Well, uh, appreciate everybody uh, coming out. I know the weather's been a little little crazy today, but I, I'm confident that if those of us in this room were able to, to make it through the wind and the cold weather, then the, the Lord probably was able to make his way down. So uh, I'm confident that you know, the Lord's going to be with us tonight, and, and I know Ray's already prayed, but if you'd indulge me, I would I'd like to just invite the Lord one more time just to, uh, uh, to, to help us all. Right? So uh, Lord Jesus, we love you. We certainly invite you to speak. Lord, we just ask that you would help uh, help your word come alive to us. Lord, I ask you to help me deliver, deliver your message tonight. Lord, that we would just receive any truth that you have for us. We ask it in your name. Amen. Yeah, we've uh, just started the series, uh, started it last week on the, on the kingdom of God. And, and if you've been with us for any amount of time, you've, you've heard the kingdom of God mentioned quite a bit. And so we're going to talk a little bit about why that's so, why we've put such an emphasis on uh, the kingdom of God. Specifically tonight, we're going to be looking at uh, the Lord's Prayer. And so uh, if you want to you got a bookmark or just want to keep your Bible open to, uh, to Matthew 7, uh, ver- sorry, Matthew 6, 9, uh, through uh, 15, and just kind of hang out there. Uh, we're going to be there uh, back and forth uh, throughout. We'll, we'll hit a few other things, but that's where we're really going to be, uh, where we're going to be centered, uh, and that's in the, in the Lord's Prayer. Um, I'm just curious, do you think we could... Uh, we could maybe recite this together. Uh, without looking, let's see, just see how we do. And uh, it's all right, there may be some different translations in the house, but uh, let, let's try it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debtors as we forgive those against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay. All right. Again, depending on your translation. So a few little, a few little differences in the house. All right. So uh, I, I think we all are pretty familiar with the Lord's Prayer. And so I actually want to start tonight by just issuing a, a, little, a little caution, because uh, if you're like me... Um, you have to fight this tendency, you know, when you, when you come to church and the pastor or the speaker says, we're going to be talking about the Lord's Prayer, we're going to be talking about John 3.16, we're going to be talking about Philippians 4.13 or Jeremiah 29.11, you know, some of these really well-known passages or, or scriptures that you've heard since you were this little and you've kind of had ingrained in your, in your hearts and your minds. If you're like me, uh, you have to actually work hard to resist the temptation to shut off because you feel like you've heard it a million times and that you, you, know, you know everything there is to know about that passage. But I really believe that anyone willing to listen tonight that the, that the Lord has given a, a word uh, about, about what we call the, the Lord's Prayer. And so my hope is, is that everyone will, uh, will give it a chance here because I really think the Lord has something for us tonight. Uh, the Lord... Has, has revealed some things to me that I hadn't, I hadn't really uncovered before, and so I hope that that'll be your experience as well. Uh, there, there's a few things that really stand out to me about uh, the, the Lord's Prayer, and uh, let's talk about Jesus' ministry for just a, a moment before we really get into, I guess, my main points. Uh, Jesus obviously was uh, you know, the, the greatest teacher that ever lived. And he taught in a number of ways. And, and one of the things that was so great about his teaching was that he perfectly modeled the things that he taught. You know, his walk equaled his talk, you know, however you want to say it. But verbally, the way he talked, the way he taught, um, he, would talk in, he would teach in a lot of different ways, parables and, and things like that. But if you, if you really look closely at the teachings of Jesus, 
you'll see that really, I would say most of the time, he, he didn't always give like the, the, the most clear, this is how you do it kind of, kind of teaching. A lot of times he would teach in a way, purposefully in a way, that we would have to wrestle with it a little bit that we would have to, to think about it a little bit. There's even scripture that talks about how the Lord actually takes you know, pleasure in confounding the wise and revealing things to the, to the simple uh, in mind and simple in, in heart. And so, uh, you know, he would teach a lot in parables, we know. He would teach a lot in stories. And, and a lot of times, even the disciples, after hearing a parable, you know, the disciples, the people that were closest to him, spent the most time with him, afterwards would have to come to him and say, well, what was that about, you know? And you explain that to us. And that was really typical with Jesus in the way that he taught. And so that's one of the things that struck me about the Lord's Prayer is that this is one of those few times where he says, hey, this is how you do it. Very instructive uh, for the Lord. And I think Adam, uh, didn't Adam say he's going to talk about a few, give a few examples uh, of this uh, tomorrow? So come back tomorrow to hear what Adam's going to say. Uh, but, yeah, this is one of the few times where Jesus says, this is how you do it. Now, we're looking uh, at the Matthew account of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it's a little bit longer, but uh, you can also look in Luke and see where, uh, in a separate encounter, where the disciples specifically ask him, you know, teach us how to pray, and then he gives, uh, he, he gives them the, uh, the clearest answer that he, you know, that he gives them when, when they ask him things like that. I mean, can you think of examples in the Scripture where Jesus gives you like a formula of how to, to heal a guy? You spit in the mud, you put it on their eyes, and they'll be able to see. Right, we don't see a lot of that. So again, I think this is, is significant that Jesus is being so clear here. And so uh, I think we need to really pay attention to, what, to the instruction he's given us. Excuse me. All right, so uh, we're doing a series uh, on the kingdom of God, and so we're going to see how uh, this relates to the Lord's Prayer. Actually, one of the anchor verses in the Lord's Prayer is when he talks about, uh, you know, your kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I think what we're going to see here is how this prayer is largely about inviting the kingdom daily into our lives. And we're going, to, we're going to break it down and we're going to see how through the Lord's Prayer we can you know, in, encourage our hearts to invite the kingdom into our lives. So let's, uh, let's start at the beginning there in verse 9 where it says, uh, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. What this speaks to me, what comes to mind to me, is worship. A recognition of the holiness of God, who He is, and so that's really kind of the entry point. Uh, when Ray, I, man, I hope you, I hope you got to catch the series on the scriptures. Ray, uh, one of the things that he that he hit was how Jesus Himself was uh, was you know shaped His life in the scriptures, shaped Him, shaped His ministry, and so I think we're part of where this is coming from is the fact that Jesus was very well acquainted with the Psalms. And if you look at Psalms 114, the verse is, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. You see, I don't think the order of the Lord's Prayer is an accident. I think it's actually significant. And the first thing we see here is a recognition of the holiness of the Lord, the recognition of who he is. Worship. And as we see in the Psalms, uh, thanksgiving, praise, worship, that's the gateway into his courts. That's the gateway into his presence. So the first thing that I'd like for us to see is that if you want to experience the kingdom in, in your life, there's no better place to start than worship. You want to enter his presence, worship, is a good place to start. Okay, but why? Why worship? What, what, what's, what's our motivation here? And, and so I just told you that getting into his presence, you know, that, that, the, that the key is worshiping, and that leads us into his presence. Uh, but I guess the, the caution there is that we don't want to look at worship as, as just a means to an end. 
that really, I think, the, the most effective worship is a worship that's just being driven by the acknowledgement that he's worthy. If we can hold on to the fact and grasp the fact, you know, he's just worthy, he's just deserving, and let that drive our worship, then I think that's the best place to be. Um, let me see. we have any sports fans? Cliff, I know you're a sports fan. Favorite, favorite athlete? Do you have a favorite? Ocho Cinco? If Ocho Cinco was in the room, aside from maybe being a little starstruck, maybe a little tongue-tied, but ultimately, if you got past that, would you have much trouble in telling him how much you appreciate his abilities, how, you know, how awesome he is, or any of those things? It come pretty naturally. Because it's a simple recognition of, of what he is, what he does, what he deserves. right? And so if we can get our hearts to that place of just a recognition of the holiness of the Lord... And if that's driving the bus, then that's a good thing. And I'm going to be you know, honest with you. I've been uh, at a place many times where you know, I'm, I make an attempt you know, to worship. And, and it's, it's really more of a means to an end. Really, what <laughs> sometimes what I'm doing actually, and this is, this is kind of silly. It's not kind of silly. It's really silly. Actually, what I'm doing sometimes when I'm, you know, praying and trying to worship the Lord, I'm really just trying to butter him up because I know in a few minutes I'm going to ask him for something that I want. I do that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so I guess this, you know, this, is, this is me sometimes. You know, Lord, the Rocky Mountains. Good job. Nice work. You killed it on that one. Excellent. You look nice today. That robe is sharp. I... Hey, have you seen the iPads? You know, those are pretty cool. I wouldn't mind having one of those, you know? Yeah, I'm, you know, of course I'm exaggerating, but there's definitely some, some truth there that sometimes worship is a means to an end where we think that that's just the way to get to the things that we want. But what really needs to drive the bus is just a recognition of, how awesome God actually is, truthfully is. It's also silly because uh, we see in Matthew 7, um, or verse 7, I think this is chapter, chapter 6. I didn't write it down correctly. Apologies. Um, <clears throat> uh, verse 8, he says, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need. Oh, this is, yeah, this is, uh, sorry, this is right before the Lord's Prayer. My bad. All right, he said, uh, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So one reason that approach is silly to begin with is that He already knows what we need. He already knows what we want. I don't really need to attempt to manipulate Him. And also, the Lord's heart is actually to give anyway. And we're going we're to talk about that a little bit more uh, later, but uh, so the thing that needs to drive the bus is that the Lord is just that good and just that deserving of our worship. Now, what if uh, and, and I'm, I'm, you're going to hear me reference you know Ray and, and Adam a lot because they they're just yeah they they have a lot of good stuff out there. Ray's got a you know a blog and he just uh, recently his most recent blog he was talking about. He was talking about obedience and how some of us don't want to be inauthentic. If our heart's not there, then, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be obedient because my heart's not really in it, right? And so uh, part of his blog was talking about the, the importance of being obedient and, and giving our hearts really kind of a chance to come along, right? And that it's always better to be obedient than disobedient, even if maybe your heart's not quite where it needs to be yet. Did I take that right? Yeah. Um, I think you can apply this to worship, you know? I don't think we need to withhold worship just because our heart isn't in the perfect place, right? But it's certainly a, a worthy thing to strive for to get to the place where our worship is coming from, an acknowledgement of who the Lord is. Uh, and I'm going to mention this a lot, you know, talking about the Lord, Lord's Prayer in that it's, you know, you have such a, a sense here that this is the most common of prayers that we should pray. That it's, you know, this, this daily prayer. I mean, teach us how to pray. This is how you pray. And we know that the Lord wants us to pray a lot. He says pray without ceasing. Um, and so 
You know, prayer is important. It's vital. Something we need to do, and we need to do a lot. The Lord's Prayer is a model of how to pray a lot. So, by extension, worship is something we need to do daily. This is a daily prayer. Part of the prayer is, hallowed be your name. What does daily worship even look like? Uh, you, you know how we value worship here. If you've been with us for a while, you know, you know how we value worship. But, you know, how many of us in here have, you know, 45 minutes to do a worship set every day of the week? Right? Yeah, no. Worship, we really would be doing well to find ways to just build it into our daily lives. Um, I'm going to quote, you know, Ray just said a, a little while ago that, you know, you know, the, the kind of person you, you want to you be, the kind of believer you want to be is a, is a believer that, you know, always has a song on your heart, you know? That you have that kind of relationship with the Lord, that there's always a song there to, to be sung, you know, that there's always some form of, of uh, worship waiting to be, to, to, uh, to be expressed, you know, towards the Lord. It doesn't have to be a 45-minute worship set. The worship should be something built into our daily, our daily lives. Uh, Adam has a series on worship. It was, it's on the archive. It's about a year old. It was last February. Four or five-part series. Excellent. And so I'm not going to get in too much to you know, all the different ways of worship and, and things like that. That's not what we're trying to dig into tonight. But just know that a daily expression of worship is pretty vital. Again, we're talking about the kingdom of God. So if you want to experience the kingdom of God in your daily life, I think it's going to be hard to get there if worship is absent. All right, so um, you know, we talked about you know maybe maybe your heart's not really there, you know, and, and so what what would be standing in our way of worshiping the Lord? And we could probably talk a long time about that, but I'm going to mention I'm going to mention one thing. I think maybe the most common thing that would stand in the way of us acknowledging, you know, worshiping the Lord would just be giving into a deception about the Lord's nature. Like having some confusion over the the goodness of the identity of the Lord. We just talked about Chad Ochocinco and how easy it would be to to heap compliments on him over his football skills because you see the truth of the fact he's a really good football player. Well, if there's something blocking your heart from worshiping the Lord, then there's a chance that there's been you know, some sort of deception over the identity of the Lord and the goodness of the Lord. Uh, last weekend, we had a Sozo training. And uh, it's a training that you know, has a lot to do with you know, you know, inner healing and, and some things like that. And they did this awesome exercise. I thought it was really cool. And spoiler alert, we're going to do you know, something very similar for uh, ministry time tonight. But uh, what they did was, uh, you know, they had us all, you know, close our eyes, and they said, you know, just ask, ask the Father. They split it up, you know, through the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And they started with the Father, and they said, you know, close your eyes and just ask the Lord to show you the Father, okay? And so we all took a time and, you know, it took some time and just, you know, tried to, to see if we had any images pop, you know, come to our minds about the Father. And, and then we repeated the steps for jesus and we did the same thing for the holy spirit and then we started discussing it a little bit and you know discovering you know well what you know some of us in the room had images of you know maybe the father you know being distant having you know a, an unpleasant expression or you know and started talking about all these things and what we found was that you know the the images that we got were really telling about how we view the lord and so we just really started addressing some of these things and just asking the Lord, you know, to speak truth to his identity. And also, how does he see us? Uh, there was, you know, a little, there was more than one thing happening here. How do we see the Lord? But also, how, does, how do we think the Lord sees us? And so as we, you know, peeled some of these layers away and then repeated the exercise, a lot of people got different images the second time around as they started to receive the truth of who the Father was and how he saw them. And so for a lot of us, it's difficult to worship because somewhere along the way we've caught on to some things that aren't true about the Lord. We have these unhealthy pictures of the Lord, unhealthy pictures of how he views us, 
And that stands in the way of us really authentically being able to worship the Lord. And so uh, we're going to practice that a little bit uh, later, but uh, regardless of what happens in the room tonight, I encourage you to spend some time doing that. Do some evaluating. Say, what does the Lord look like to me? And ask the Lord to reveal the truth. What is the Lord really like? How does he really see me? And as some of those as, and as truth gets spoken into those areas, I imagine that what you'll find is that worship's going to come a lot more naturally when we start to get an authentic picture of the goodness of God. All right, so how would be thy name? You know, worship, that's the that's the entry point to experiencing, you know, the daily presence of the kingdom in our lives. Uh, verse 10 is where it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, uh, you know, again, I'm going to repeat a little bit of what Ray did last week in his introductory uh, message. Um, Jesus' mission, if you look, if you just take the words that, that we have, you know, on record in the scripture, what Jesus taught, it becomes really clear that the kingdom of God was Jesus' mission on earth. He talked about it, you know, before his death, burial, and resurrection. He talked about it afterwards, and he talked about it a lot. Uh, and I'm going to give you the stats that Ray, Ray got. Uh, the kingdom of God is mentioned 117 times in the Gospels. Salvation, or, you know, or, or a variety of these things, a variety of the, of the kingdom, variety of salvation. These are being, uh, kingdom being mentioned 117 times, salvation, eight. Salvation, obviously, is a big part of Jesus' mission, but it's part of the kingdom mission. The kingdom of God is more than heaven. It includes heaven, but it's more than that. And we see here in the Lord's Prayer, what we're asking for is His will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, 170 times in the gospel, in the gospels, 152 times in the rest of the New Testament. Uh, so what is that? That's 269 times mentioned in the New Testament alone. The kingdom of God must be pretty important. Right? Uh, Ray offered a really good definition of the kingdom. It's, you know, the, a, a kingdom is wherever the king's reign and rule is taking place. So when we're talking about the kingdom of God, we're not talking about a physical location. We're talking about wherever the reign and rule of the king is taking place. So the kingdom of God can be can definitely be taking place in my heart. It can be taking place around me as I minister and any one of us in this room. We can see the kingdom of God advancing in our current circumstances. And again, this is a prayer. This, and, and, and something I'm seeing about the, the Lord's Prayer this time around, uh, at, at, you know, maybe at, at a glance, or I don't know, depending on some of the teaching that you've had, the Lord's Prayer can, can come across as something kind of passive. You know, give us this day, lead us not into temptation. In other words, the Lord's doing all the activity. But I think if we really take in the Lord's Prayer, what we actually see is that there isn't you know, much about this prayer that doesn't, require some sort of response on our part. We want to see the kingdom of God advancing on this earth. That's going to take a response on our part. It's not a passive prayer. It's an opportunity to engage with the Lord. Uh, Adam had, we were talking you know, before the service tonight, and he had this, this cool, uh, I, I guess a metaphor. You, know, you can think about any movie, you want to think about where there's, you know, there's a king. Think of Lord of the Rings or, or whatever. And, you know, if you're going, you know, through all the doors, all the gateways, and you're going to see the king, and finally you get into the king's court, and you get to go before the king, and then he sends you out with something to do, that's, that's a significant encounter. And it's not, you know, something passive. It's not, uh, you know, something, something flippant. If you, get, if you get into the presence of the king and he gives you, you know, something to do, that's a big deal. And so here we are in this common 
prayer, this daily uh, request before the Lord. And part of it is, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That requires a response on our part. To go out and see that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To see his kingdom advance. It's a big deal. And, you know, and, and if our prayers aren't leading to action, then, then there's something wrong, you know. So certainly the Lord's Prayer is the kind of prayer that should actually lead us into something. It's not passive. All right, let's move on down to verse 11. Uh, Give us this day our daily bread. I certainly think it's going to be difficult, if not impossible, for us to really experience the kingdom of God if we're not trusting God with just our daily provisions. It really is God's nature to give not just our needs, but, but, but gifts. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to come around here, but hang with me for just a second. Uh, in Matthew 7, 9, it's the, the passage where he says, you know, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And I just I, I love this passage because I just feel like it reveals so much about the Lord's nature and His heart. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that there's a difference between a need and uh, a gift, right? When I think of a gift, I don't necessarily think of, of something I need. I think of something beyond. That's me, okay? You're welcome to, to disagree. But if it's the Lord's nature that we see here in, in Matthew 7 to give us good gifts... And certainly it's in his nature to see that our needs are met. Right? I, I don't believe the kingdom life... I, I believe the kingdom life is not a life full of unmet needs. I think to live a kingdom life would not be to, leave, uh, to lead a life that's just full of all these unmet needs. Because I believe it's really the Lord's heart to provide for us. I don't believe the Lord's a tease. Again, this is not a, a special exemplary prayer. This is a daily prayer. Why would he encourage us to ask for things that he is not willing to supply? I do see a couple ways that we can get off path uh, here with you know, talking about you know, the Lord's provision and, and his daily bread. And, and one is... Um, you know, I think there's maybe some of us that, that we, we've gotten to a place where we trust the Lord, but I think we kind of misunderstand this passage, and it actually can lead us to maybe kind of a place of laziness. We think the Lord's going to provide, so I don't have to do anything. But I think what we're missing is the Lord's heart, that he, he really wants to partner with us. I think that's really, you know, the, the Lord's heart. And so... When he's, when he's talking about providing you know, our daily bread and providing our needs, that doesn't mean that we don't have to work hard. You know, I, let me see, sorry. Yeah, I mean, God, God does want us to, you know, to, to live out, you know, we have, I guess, sometimes a romantic idea of what our, our grand calling is or, or our destiny, but that doesn't mean that there isn't hard work on the, in the daily life. It certainly doesn't mean that we won't have seasons of maybe really in, intensely grinding, working, you know? Maybe even struggling a little bit. So yeah, the Lord's heart, and the Lord certainly, you know, will provide our daily needs, but it doesn't mean that we don't have to partner with Him and work alongside Him. Uh, again, if you're like me, then you've sp- probably spent a portion of your life, you know, thinking that work has been the curse of the fall of man. That when Adam and Eve fell all of a sudden, you know, work was introduced. But if we look in uh, Genesis uh, 20, I'm not going to read all of it. Uh, let, let's go down to 28. This is before the fall, okay? This is all before the fall. Uh, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, 
and subdue it. Okay? Rule over the fish in the sea. Um, he's going to give you every, uh, every plant. Um, uh, let me see. He's talking about the, you know, the, the fruit, the beast. They're going to be your food. I mean, do we really have this image that you know, the cows are just going to lay down in front of them and serve themselves up to them? And really, specifically in Genesis 2.15, the Lord says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. This is before the fall. It has always been the Lord's design that we partner with him. Work in it of itself is not a curse. It's an opportunity. So sometimes we misunderstand when the Lord's talking about our daily bread. We think that that's a, you know, a means of, of not having to do anything. <laughs> and then on the other end of the spectrum, I think that, uh, we, can, we can give ourselves to, to what we've kind of coined around here is Christian fatalism. If we find ourselves struggling, then we chalk it up to, you know, you know the Lord's sovereign and, sovereign and he's ordained it this way. I'm miserable in life. My needs aren't being met. It must be the Lord's will. Yikes. Uh, but I think if we look in Matthew six twenty-five down to 34, again, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but uh, it's, a, it's a passage, on, and it reveals the Lord's heart, I think, towards us in terms of his provision. It's just, it's, uh, in your Bible, it's probably laid, uh, labeled, it has one of those headings that says, Do not worry, probably. Um, I'll read a little bit of it. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet the Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And then he goes down and and hits some some of these things specifically. Will he not much more clothe you? Um, let me see. And your heavenly Father knows. You know, He knows that you, in verse uh, thirty-two, He says, "And your heavenly Father knows that you need them." Talking about the fact that He sees your needs. He knows what your needs are. So our food, our drink, our even our clothes. You know these things. You know the Lord sees our needs. It's His heart to provide. And if you want to see a tie-in, again, you know, talking about references to the kingdom, there's one right there in verse 33, Seek ye first his, uh, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So let's be careful not to give ourselves to, to, the, to the Christian fatalistic attitude. Again, Ray's got a blog up about this right now, um, which is really good. So I believe the way all this works in our daily lives, we're talking about how the kingdom works how we how you know through the lord's prayer we're seeing an idea of how to pray the kingdom of god into our daily lives and so i think what we see here is that you know we trust in the lord to provide and join him in the process partnering with the lord is just so important you know we need to realize that you know sometimes we're the means that the lord wants to provide someone else's daily bread The Lord is all about partnership. So again, this is not a call to laziness, and it's not a resignation to be, you know, to, to be without. And, I, and I'm not going to talk too much about this, but you know, I, I believe, okay, I believe that when we're talking about daily bread, I think we're talking about more than food on our table. I think we're talking about any kind of our needs. So food, bills. We see in Matthew, clothes, roof on our heads, community, healing. I really believe it's the Lord's heart to provide our needs. So it's His heart to provide. But what I encourage us all to do is to, is to look daily to see how we can partner with Him in that effort for ourselves and for others. Let's move on down to 13, verse 13. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil, or your translation might say the evil one, okay? 
All right, I really think, <laughs> sounds repetitive, but I, I think we really need to take this verse to heart. We want to see the kingdom in our lives. Let's take this passage, this part, uh, you know, seriously. Um, I think what, what the Lord is saying here is that he really wants to reveal, you know, th- you know, things in our lives that we can avoid. You cannot get through life without encountering temptation. But the Lord is happy to help us avoid a lot of it. (laughs) It's His nature to do so. So there's some things we can't avoid. But man, how many times do we encounter things that just by listening to the Lord and being sensitive to His Spirit and to His leading, we could have avoided altogether? I look at it like, you know, driving down a road. And, you know, if you have three or four lanes to choose from and there's a, you know, there's a pothole in the middle of the road, well, go around. Some roads, they're all over. You can't avoid them. So I think the heart of what the Lord's saying here is, you know, listen, there's a lot of potholes you can avoid. You don't have to go through. Just follow me. And I'll lead you from it. He, he will be happy to lead us away from temptation. Um, honestly, uh, you know, if I can, if, if I look back on any particular mistake, at least any, you know, mistakes that, that I could call to mind, and I can call many to mind. Um, if I look back beyond the actual mistake that I make, then almost without fail, I could tell you, you know, a moment where I had an opportunity to avoid making that choice. Where I had an opportunity to, you know, avoid that situation altogether. And it could have been a number of things, you know. It could have been a word from, you know, a friend. It could have been, you know, just a check in my spirit. (laughs) I made a mistake tonight. (laughs) Right before uh, worship was about to start, uh, I'm a big Tennessee fan. And right before, they, their game time was 5 o'clock tonight. And right before worship, I was like, I want to check the score. And, and, and in my heart, I was like, man, just you know, worry about it later. I'll just I'll check it real quick. They were going into overtime. So more than a couple times during worship, I'm like, I wonder what's going on in the game. I had an opportunity to not to have that worry hanging over my head, and I missed it. That's, you know, that's pretty light in the grand scale of things, but, you know, the, the truth is the same, that it's the Lord's heart to lead us out of temptation. Now, uh, what I want to mention, though, this was something that was kind of new to me, was that we kind of, you know, grouped the, this, this verse together in in such a way that we can almost retranslate it. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, the the way, uh, again, if you're like me, the way you might receive it is, lead me not into temptation, but deliver deliver me from temptation. But that's not what it says. It says, deliver me from evil, or deliver me from the evil one, which to me is way more than just temptation. I think what we're seeing here is the Lord's heart to deliver us from any kind of evil in our life. Think of the evil in your life. Sickness, that's not of the Lord. It's His heart to deliver us from that. Poverty, hunger, broken relationships, loneliness. These are all kinds of evil that we encounter. I'll take it even a step further. I think that the enemy... You know, if he has any idea of a particular, you know, destiny or calling on your life, I think he would be content to see you fill your life with good things, the things that are short of your calling. So I actually prefer the temptation that says, deliver me from the evil one. Deliver me from any of his plans to keep me from satisfying the, you know, the calling or the destiny that you've laid out for me. I think it's way more than temptation. I think the Lord's heart is to see us delivered from any kind of evil in our life. 
So I think what Jesus wants, he wants us to train ourselves not to be content in, you know, bad circumstances. You may even see some of these verses kind of connecting together. We were just talking about Christian fatalism. I think that comes into play here. Don't be content to struggle through situations that the Lord's heart isn't for you to be in. Should we always be joyful? Yeah, we should always be joyful. Should we always be you know, happy you know, in our salvation? Yeah, be thankful. Count your blessings. Should we be resigned that our bodies are falling apart? No. I don't think so. Should we be content in jobs that make us absolutely miserable? No, I don't think so. You know, I think the hope is, is that, you know, we talked just a minute ago. I don't want to sound like I'm contradicting myself. You know, I know that there's seasons where we, where we have to, you know, make sure there's, you know, you, you know, if you've got kids or whatever, you need to make sure there's food on the table and your bills are paid. It's a tough economy. Maybe you're in a job you hate. That's the only thing available right now. But what I see here is that there's hope. You know? I think that there's hope for you to dream. To not feel like you're forever stuck in a position that makes you miserable. Do what you have to do, you know? Pay your bills, support your family. But that doesn't mean you have to give up on your dreams. Deliver us from the evil. And his plans to, to keep us out of our destinies. So it's more than okay to fight for the coming of the kingdom in every aspect of our lives. That's what I'm getting here. Not just deliver us from temptation, but I want to see the kingdom invade every aspect of my life. All right, verse 15. Uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, or forgive us our debts as we forgive our, our debtors. Debtors. Uh, let's look on down just for a second so we can really see the Lord's heart on forgiveness. This is not just a tag at the end of the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 10, 8. Heal the sick. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I will get to that one in a minute. But Turn to my page. Verse 14. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. (laughs) Yikes. (laughs) It's kind of a hard word. You think forgiveness is important to the Lord? The verse I started to read a minute ago, and I think this this is... you know, revealing, you know, pretty revealing about the Lord's heart. Matthew ten eight, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the cleanse those who have uh, leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. I think the natural thing that happens is that if we've received forgiveness, we give forgiveness. It's hard for only one to exist. I may be a person that, that, you know, in my heart, I want to give forgiveness, but I have trouble receiving forgiveness of the Lord. That's hard. And likewise, it's hard to receive forgiveness of the, of, uh, from the Lord when I'm not willing to give forgiveness from the Lord. If you're holding on to unforgiveness, you know, I don't know what's happening on the surface, but, you know, somewhere on the inside, there's, there's bitterness that's growing. It's taking root. The longer we hold on to unforgiveness, it just happens. I just, I, I don't have, I don't see how it couldn't. How you could harbor unforgiveness and not have bitterness somewhere. Maybe it's in, you know, a, you know some small closet in your heart, but it's somewhere. There's bitterness somewhere. This is a really big deal. Um... We were talking uh, earlier about the, the Dead Sea. I'm not a geography major or anything. I know a little bit about the Dead Sea. And one of the things about the Dead Sea is it's got you know, perfectly healthy tributaries that pour into it. 
So the Dead Sea collects, you know, it's got, you know, minerals and a lot of these things from its tributaries, but it has no outlet. Therefore, why is it called the Dead Sea? Anyone know? Does anything live in it? Nothing really lives in it. Because it's so unnatural for things, you know, for for these tributaries to pour in, yet nothing goes out. And because of the dynamic there, nothing can live in it, even though good things are pouring into it. And that's how it is with our hearts. We may be, you know, making an attempt to gladly receive the good things, you know, the forgiveness of the Lord. But a, but a, a tremendously important part of that cycle, cycle is giving forgiveness. And it's going to be hard for only one of those to exist by themselves. Luke, I need you to come up here for a second. And you sit right here. This is a true story. I let Luke borrow a pair of black pants of mine. The nicest pair of pants I owned. No, maybe not. But He can't find them. So I have a choice to make. Am I going to forgive Luke or not? You know? And so what happens to people that I don't forgive... The really, and I think this is true. And this is, I'm stealing this illustration from Soto. I thought it was brilliant, so I'm going to steal it. But it's okay to steal it because I gave him credit. Um, uh, this, you know, for anyone that has you know, somebody they haven't forgiven, what they've done is they've put them in, in a prison. And this is not a good place to be. An unforgiveness prison, you know, that's a place you know, with bitterness and contempt and you know, just, just nasty, dark things. Okay? So you don't want to be in an unforgiveness prison, right? So this is where I've put Luke. He's in my prison. What we're doing, I think, when we forgive people is that we're really releasing them you know, to the Lord. Okay? It's not a statement that you know, what they've done is okay. It's not okay that Luke lost my pants. <laughs> but if I forgive him, I turn him over to the Lord, and you know, the Lord can deal with him, and I can move on. Right? And I know that's silly, but, you know, what, what, if, the, what if the example were much more serious? You know, what if, what if there's a situation, you know, of abuse or something? And so, you know, the, you, don't, you don't want to have to, you know, equate forgiveness with having to necessarily reconcile a relationship that doesn't need to be continued. It's not the same thing. I don't think forgiveness and, you know, certainly if there's an opportunity for reconciliation, if it's appropriate, go for it. Yeah, that's always better if it's possible, you know. But there's sometimes where it's not even the thing that's needed. So forgiveness isn't necessarily reconciliation. Forgiveness is turning a person over to the Lord. And so what happens if, if I'm holding someone in this prison and I haven't turned it over to the Lord? then who's got to stand guard? Me. So yeah, maybe there's a, you know, there's the gate here, there's the door here, but basically we're in the same place. If I haven't turned them over to the Lord, I've got to stand guard over them. How does that help me? That doesn't help me. It's so much better just to, you know what? You're forgiven. I'm going to let the, you know. And I don't mean that like in a biting way. All right, Lord, you smite them. I forgive him, you know. <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily the deal. But the, I mean, but do you see the principle there of letting that person go to the Lord, forgiving them, and, you know, it's, it's no longer my concern. Forgiveness is huge. We want to experience life in the kingdom, then we need to practice forgiveness. Uh, just, just a couple more thoughts. I, I've gotten through all the verses that I, that I want to cover. One thing that stood out to me about the Lord's Prayer was something that I didn't find in the Lord's Prayer. You, you know, if, again, if you've been with the vineyard any amount of time, you know how much we value you know, uh, signs and wonders and dynamic ministry and prophetic and healing and, and all these great things. And these are certainly all things the Lord wants us to pursue. You know, eagerly desire the greater gifts. You know, we believe that. It's not mentioned here. 
This is like, you know, the daily common prayer. And there's no mention of, you know, there's no language of, you know, God, give me, you know, a great healing ministry. or Help me to receive crazy prophetic words and, and all these things. Again, it's not because I don't think the Lord wants us to do those things or have those things. The revelation I see in that and the fact that that's not mentioned is I think what the Lord wants us to pursue is a heart positioned for the kingdom. And when our heart's positioned for the kingdom, ministry is going to flow. A heart positioned for the kingdom is one from which ministry is going to flow. And I really can't understate, I don't think, you know, the, the language in this prayer about it being such a, such a daily thing. Again, you know, we, we want to think maybe long-term about our destinies and our callings. And we kind of romanticize it a little bit. And we maybe have this vision of, you know, one day the lightning's going to strike. The Lord's going to show me my calling. I'm going to step out to it, and it's going to happen in a moment. I can't say that never happens. But I think for the most part, that you know, our destinies and our, and our calling and, and ultimately the impact in our, you know, of, of the kingdom in our lives is really a summary of our daily choices. Some days certainly will be bigger than others. We always have the potential to make a catastrophic decision that will take us off the rails. We have some days where we could make, you know, hit it out of the park and we'll just see a dynamic increase in the kingdom. Yeah, some days could be bigger than others. But I think ultimately, our destiny and our calling and, and our life in the kingdom is made up by the summary of our daily choices. And that's one of the things that I think is so important about this model prayer. You know, of daily worshiping the Lord. Of daily trusting Him and partnering Him, partnering with Him for our daily needs and the needs of people around us. For daily, you know, seeking His will and His kingdom to advance in whatever way He sees fit. Daily asking Him to lead us from temptation and delivering us from any kind of evil. And daily forgiving and receiving the forgiveness that He has for us. And so ultimately, what I think the Lord's Prayer is, I think it's a model of how we position our hearts to receive the kingdom. All right. Ray. I think I would like you to, to tag maybe a couple people. You got a couple people for me? All right. Um, you don't have to bring them up just yet, but you be thinking about who you want to bring up. Um, when, I, when I finish up here, uh, we're, we're on dual ministry time. Uh, when I finish, we'll have a couple people that'll that'll be up and available if you have any kind of need or request or just want somebody to pray over you. We we love to do that. Actually, it's not a burden to us. We actually enjoy praying for for people around here. Um, but you know, let's go back to the start. You know, again, worship is is the starting point for all this. So let's, uh, let, let's give the, the Lord a, a minute or two to speak to us to maybe reveal if there's things that are, are obstacles to that. Specifically, if we have in any way been deceived over the Lord's identity and how he sees us. So we're just going to do a little bit of that exercise where we're going to, we're going to close our eyes and we're going to ask the Lord to reveal the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're just going to workshop it for just a, just a few minutes. We're not going to spend much longer with it. But we're going to invite the Lord. So if you would, if you want to play along, let's, uh, let's just close our eyes and ask the Lord to come. Lord, we thank you for this night. Lord, in this moment, we're just, we're, we're trusting that it is your nature to speak to us. So there's a room full of your kids right now. 
So the first thing we want to ask you, Lord, would you show us yourself? Heavenly Father, specifically, would you reveal yourself? Would you give us an image or an impression or a picture of yourself, Lord? like for you to do is to just try and take a little mental snapshot if you've received anything. Just kind of take it, hold, hold on to it, just set it, to, set it to the side for just a moment, but in a little bit you can recall it. And again, we're just practicing, so you can take as much time during the week for this if you like, but what I want you to do now is just ask the Lord, Jesus, would you reveal yourself to Likewise, Holy Spirit, would you reveal yourself to us? Whatever images that have come to our minds, we ask that tonight, whether in this room or as we leave or as we sleep or throughout the week, Lord, would you shed light on these images? We just ask for the revelation of your truth, Lord, of who you are and how you actually see us. So, Lord, we ask that if there's anything in these images, anything anything about the way we see you that isn't accurate, that isn't true, Lord, would you reveal that to us? Because I can tell you guys, the truth is the Lord loves you. The Lord is for you. The Lord has plans for you. He has calling on your lives. He's not ticked off at you. Everything I just said is true for the Father, it's true for the Son, and it's true for the Holy Spirit. And any one of those that seem distant to you, I can tell you that their heart is not to be distant to you. The heart of the Father and the heart of the Son and the heart of the Holy Spirit is to be near to you. So as we close tonight, I'm just going to encourage you. If you want to hang out a little bit, I want to deputize all of you. You can do ministry among each other. You know, if you, if you want to talk about some of this stuff right now, you know, grab somebody. We'll also have some people up front here for ministry, for any kind of ministry. But if you want to grab somebody and say, man, you know, I saw the Holy Spirit and he was way off, or when I saw Jesus and he didn't look very happy with me, or saw the Father and he had his back turned to me, you know, any, any of these kinds of things that, that you suspect or maybe you know isn't really the Lord, feel free to stick around and, and, uh, and minister to each other and don't be shy. You know, ask somebody to 
hey, you know, let me let me run something by you. What do you think about this? Or, um, so we're we're going to pray, and I'm going to release you guys. But feel free to uh, to stick around and, and continue to workshop some of this a little bit. All right. All right. Well, Lord, we love you. You are so very good. We adore your presence. We need your presence. Lord, I just ask for your blessing on every home, apartment, dorm room represented in this house tonight. That there won't be a person in this room that are going to leave you in this room, that your presence is going to accompany them. Lord, I just ask for your blessings over the people in this house tonight. Lord, we thank you that it's actually your heart to do that very thing. Lord, we just close tonight by saying, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. You are dismissed. Go in peace. (laughs) Mm-hmm.